Articles read Progressive Magazine Sweden's New Government How Politics Matter An article written by Simon Davidson Read by Arturo Winters Since October 18th, Sweden's new government consists of the Conservatives Moderates and the Christian Democrats, together with the Centre-Right Liberals. The three are a minority and have struck a formal agreement with the far-right Sweden Democrats. The agreement gives the government support of 176-173 majority in the Swedish Riksdag. The new government, as well as the preceding electoral campaign and the formation negotiation, represents several novelties and changes in Swedish political life. It also means major policy changes for the labour market, migration and energy sector, with consequences for Sweden, Europe and beyond changes that suggest that it matters greatly if the left or the right is in office. The electoral campaign. The electoral campaign cemented the historical reconciliation of the parliamentary parties, eight in number since 2010. Wolf Christensen, the moderate leader, lauded the far-right, anti-immigrantist and nationalist Sweden Democrats for their consistent stance in questions concerning migration and law and order. He stated that the only thing that would keep them from getting government portfolios if his proposed coalition won was the parties in experience. In this way, the Sweden Democrats completed their journey from a party sympathizing with Nazism in the 90s to a formally coalitionable party in the year 2020. The Sweden Democrats hit a new all-time high, becoming the second largest party with 20.5% of the vote and 73 seats. This is perhaps not so surprising given the recognition that the moderates, Christian Democrats and liberals gave the party and given the media's focus on migration and criminality, issues that the Sweden Democrats have managed to make their own and where many perceive that they have credible solutions. The centre-right does campaign on thorough treatment of potential gang members and refugees, coupled with the revival of nuclear power as the solution for the problems of rising energy prices and global heating. On the other side of the political spectrum, the former government party, the Social Democrats, campaigned on nothing, really. They put forward their leader, Magdalena Andersson, as a guarantor of wisely negotiated policies in general, stressed their active role in tightening Sweden's migration laws and deliberately made no specific reform proposals. The Greens, Left and Centre parties were pushed to the side and received little attention, with the exception of a far-right sympathizer's failed attack on, or attempted murder, of centre leader Annie Löw in July, allegedly for her implacable stance against the Sweden Democrats. Thus, on the one side, in the electoral campaign, was a determined centre-right who managed to appear cohesive, despite the apparent impossibility of uniting the liberals and the far-right Sweden Democrats. The latter spokesperson have expressed support, for instance, for Hungary's undermining of the free media and Poland's restraints of the independent judiciary. On the other side was a relatively visionless and cohesive centre-left, including a left party whose current policies resemble the welfare state reformists of the Social Democrats in the 80s, and a centre party whose economic policy might be the most pro-business and market-friendly of all Swedish parties, and that insist on labelling the left as extreme. 
Despite his inequality in determination and apparent cohesiveness, the win was close. Furthermore, it should be seen in the light of decreased turnout and the formation of an ethnic migrant party, Nians, that got some support in traditionally leftist electoral districts, thus, ironically, benefiting the right-wing government and its far-right support. Beyond this, the campaign might best be remembered for the Christian Democratic leader brandishing a traditional Swedish sausage in a debate and the liberal leader loading the hot dog. The government formation. The government formation negotiation took about a month, which is relatively long by Swedish tradition, but potentially normal in the new landscape of eight parties, some of which are quite far from each other. The first procedure of the new parliament was to elect its speakers by secret ballot. It was noteworthy that a few voters were cast for parliamentarians who had not been put forward as candidates and that the second deputy speaker, a Sweden Democrat, had to be voted on twice before being accepted. Commentators suggested that her creationist beliefs might have been a reason why not all government party parliamentarians supported her at first. After about a month, an agreement, the Tide Agreement, Tide of was signed between the three government parties and the Sweden Democrats. The most prestigious portfolio went to the moderates. The Liberal Party leader emphasized that behind the scenes, he and his party had secured support for publicly funded media and an investigation into the profits made by private firms who run publicly, publicly funded schools. The Sweden Democrats, in turn, received a number of committee chairmanship as compensation for being excluded from government, and a coordination office was created to guarantee their insight into and influence over the agreed government policy and budget negotiations. Many Liberal Party politicians expressed qualm about the TIDOGA agreement, but the demand for a reconsideration were denied by the leader. A former leader quit the party and the Liberals were forced to defend against their exclusion from the European Parliament Party Group Renew Europe, in which politicians from other European states criticized the party for making itself dependent on the far-right Sweden Democrats. Indeed, if the choice of the Liberals to lend credit to a conservative nationalist government appears puzzling, it is because it is. Arguably, Unless it is a question of poor power politics, the best explanation for the Liberals' choice would be that its leaders are more alarmed by the potential socialism of, of the welfare state policy of the Social Democrats and Left Party than with the anti-democratic and, for lack of better word, illiberal intention of the Sweden Democrats. The policy and intention for the new, of the new government. The Sweden Democrats are thus in a position where they can act as both government and opposition. They can claim credit for policy that they believe in or that appear popular and they can criticize policy that does not have the result they want or does not go as far as they wish. So what is the policy of the new government? Immediately after accession, the new prime minister Ulf Christensen adopted a much more conciliatory and cautious tone, invoking the insecure international situation and the complexity of the problem that Sweden faces. Nevertheless, and despite the fact that the government has only just started, a few things from the TIDO agreement itself have already received some attention. Concerning the labour market, the government wants to take the management of unemployment insurance away from the unions 
which will decrease union strength further and reduce unemployment insurance after 100 days of unemployment. The Sweden Democrats have made a big case for defending the current nominal levels in the initial period. Another policy directed against the union is to introduce a proportionality requirement for strikes. The government also wants to fight migrant exploitation in the labour market, but has declared that it wants to return the right to decide on labour migration to the employers and not retain the system that was also in effect before 2008, in which unions, employers and authorities together determined if there was a need for labour migration in specific sectors. Instead, the only requirement for labour migrants is that job pays the Swedish median wage, which is a way to say that only high-skilled workers are officially welcome. The government wants to make Sweden unattractive to potential migrants, conforming the EU minimum standards. Measures include restricting the right to family reunion, making it harder to get and easier to lose citizenship, and investigating the possibility to have the asylum application process take place in transit centers, the possibility to expel people for bad behavior, and ways to make migrants return to their country of origin. Furthermore, rights to allocation and economic support for non-citizens will be restricted and require qualification through work, tax payment and legal residency. In terms of law and order, the government wants to allow anonymous witnesses, criminalize gang affiliation, double the penalty levels for the people who are gang members and declare special geographical zones where the police can search people without a warrant. More money will be spent on law enforcement and the police, but with no requirement of reorganization to guarantee the presence of police in local communities. Concerning the environment and the climate, one notable, notable change is that the environmental ministry has been dismantled. Although the alleged idea is that the environment should be imbued all policy, one is reminded of how the acceding centre-right government in 1991 abolished the housing ministry with the intention to abolish housing as a political issue. In particular, the new government presents nuclear power as the solution both to energy costs and the current climate crisis, despite its uncompetitive price and distant time scope. Gasoline consumption will be subsidized in the context of the current high fuel prices, support for wind energy will be withdrawn, and the reduced VAT on reparation will be withdrawn in order to promote the consumption of new merchandise. This all suggests that it is expensive pollution that will imbue the government's policy. It should be noted that the government gives some attention to welfare state services and economic policies too. The reform, the reform within healthcare might have something to be commended. Yet concerning ownership and economic distribution, the centre-right government is centre-right, no matter the Sweden's Democrats' insistence that they see to the interests of the common worker. Private organization would be encouraged within welfare services and possible restriction of their publicly funded profit seem not to worry the companies that make up the welfare industrial complex in Sweden. The TIDO agreement stipulates classical tax cuts with intended consequences for both public funding and redistribution. As an example, in the coming budget, tax cuts on saving will be proposed. According to the parliamentary audit service, this will benefit the richest. For instance, 24% of the forecast cast, 840 million uh, Swedish krona, will go to the richest 10%. Final note. 
The program of the Swedish government is a mix of traditional center-right economic policy, nationalist identity politics, and measures that are open hostile to a climate transition. Beside making life much harder for many, and better for a few, it will make Sweden poorer, given the loss of long-term economic injections that come with migrants, less redistribution toward the relatively poor, who increase their consumption more when their income increases than do the relatively rich, and foregone climate investments. Still, one thing should be clear. There are important political and ideological differences and lines of conflict. This is perhaps counterintuitive, given that the Sweden Democrats have claimed much of the space left empty by the other parties that have been seen to draw closer to one another. Yet it remains a fact that politics still matter, and that the difference between left and right are big, even when the win is as tight as 176-273 in terms of parliamentary seats.